Okay, so guys, strangest thing happened to me. So, two guys with wearing suits um, walked into my uh, apartment. And um, one was spouting Bible stuff at me. And um, they, I think, were going to kill me. One of them just shot the couch for no reason. There was nobody on it. Um, I think they were going to on it. I think they were gonna kill I think, me. I think if you think back, there was somebody on that couch. Yeah, there was. Um, no, I'm talking about my apartment. Um, oh, your, your apartment. Yeah, two guys came in and wearing suits. They, one of them just shot the couch, and the other, and, well, the other was looking for a briefcase in the kitchen. There is none. So, um, so I want to be clear here: was one of them spouting profanities? A lot. Well, oh yes, but like both of them—they were very vulgar to me. Um, I think they came in with the intent to kill me, but they just gave me disgusting, disgusting looks and just walked out. It was very odd. Anyway, welcome oh. to the Master Movie Podcast. Hmm. Um, dang it, that was not as funny as I thought it would be. Something fairly <laughs> cinematic happened to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that was a. That was a weird experience. Um, obviously, I'm obviously I'm kidding. It would be Chris, Chris, Chris. Were these two men, John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson? No, they were um, the two guys from the Lethal Weapon reboot. That's what I thought. The one for CBS. Yeah. No, Fox. Uh, I'm just messing with you guys. I'm kidding. Nobody came to my house, people. Trying to be funny. Oh my gosh. You got us. My face is red. (laughs) It is so red right now. With blood. Because I shot... Because I shot Marvin in the face. Hey, 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 Chris. What? Do you even speak English, motherfucker? <laughs> explicit! Explicit! English, uh, motherfucker, do you speak it? <laughs> explicit. <laughs> what ain't no country I ever heard of? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the wheel. This, this podcast is probably going to be very explicit. Because um, Samuel Jackson's a very explicit person. This we- So the wheel finally decided... That it was time to do the ultimate, penultimate, probably, arguably, the penultimate Quentin Tarantino movie in Pulp Fiction. Dude, you haven't even watched, like, Django Unchained or, like, Inglorious. I'm talking what people have said, alright? I gotta be honest, most people will agree that Pulp Fiction is his masterpiece. Oh, it is his masterpiece, that's without even a doubt. (laughs) So that would would make it its penultimate Quentin Tarantino movie. I, I guess... So, um, if, it, if it makes you feel better, though, uh, on the topic of Quentin Tarantino, actually, I went and saw, I, I went and got to see uh, a special preview of a of a collaborator of hers from Death Crew. <laughs> oh, so you got to see Alita, huh? Yeah. Ah! Don't say a word. Well, did you see the reviews? Yes. Yeah, they're very Robert Rodriguez reviews. <laughs> you mean they're good for a while and then they get really, really bad for a bit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like 
reviews. I'm like, yeah, this movie's great. It looks awesome. It's very good. And then it's just like, I don't understand Robert, why Robert Rodriguez still makes movies. He's a really shitty director. <laughs> well, I trust Stuckman, and he said it was good. So, screw everybody. I, like, I Dude. I've never, I've never disliked Robert Rodriguez movies. So like, really, really, you honestly <laughs> thought a Dame to Kill Four was a good movie? What movie? A Dame to Kill Four? I didn't see a Dame, Dame to Kill Four. Boom! What? Well, there you go. That yeah. is the worst Robert Rodriguez movie. I don't know. I thought Spy Kids Four was, it was like, I heard it was pretty bad. Is that even him? Seen a Dame to Kill Four? I. Don't, I, I haven't seen either. I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't about. seen Spike for either. What? So I guess, like, I've heard both are really, really bad. <laughs> Let's just go with that. Spy Kids 4 has the added uh, ability to say that it is a kid's film, so it can pander to uh, dumber audiences. A Dame to Kill 4 is just dumb. Yeah, I mean, Machete Kills was fun in, like, the same way that Machete was fun. I agree. Um, Plant Terror, I obviously love Sin City I obviously love uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico is obviously in my opinion one the all time classics uh, the original Spy Kids is really good Desperado is really good El Mariachi is pretty good no the whole Mariachi trilogy is is really great even yeah. One Time in Mexico I love Johnny Depp running around with no eyes shooting people it's great yeah. I think it's one of the most underrated Johnny Depp performances yeah um, um, I, I thought one at a time what? One at a time. Yeah, I, I, I think he goes downhill a little bit after Spy Kids. There's a, I, he just starts making movies that don't work. He starts getting really lazy. And A Dame to Kill For is the peak. A Dame to Kill For is one of the worst, not just worst sequels, it's just, it's just one of the worst movies ever made. Well, a lot <laughs> of I read about Alita, uh, Chris, I'm, I'm going to try and avoid, I'm not going to talk specifically about plot elements of the movie, but I'm going to talk about what people have said about the movie. Um, a lot of people who have negative reviews of Alita is actually, ironically, a lot of the same negative reviews people have said about Kingdom Hearts 3, and um, which is that the, the story feels very complex and they don't understand it, and um, they they don't get that and they don't like that but everybody i have talked to has said that the visuals are gorgeous uh rosa salazar is one of the greats of the movie and the whole movie is contingent on the fact that she's amazing in the movie yeah so rosa salazar does incredible and the movie is very you're really rooting for her character the whole time which is awesome because that's like exactly what you want out of your main actress. Um, a lot of people thought Christoph Waltz was great, but he was a little underutilized, which is fine. Uh, you know, from what I can tell off it, I didn't. I never really expected him to have much of a role to begin with. Um, He's been utilized for quite some time. Yeah, well, he was just underutilized in the movie. Um, and a lot of people just said the screenplay was very muddled and there was a lot going on. And the movie's like almost two and a half hours. Actually, it's, 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 well, it's two hours, but it, 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 you really feel it and it feels very like, like there's a lot going on 
where you're not really sure what's going on, and it's trying to set up sequels that aren't even guaranteed right now. And um, But people have said that Robert Rodriguez's action scenes are spot-on perfect. Uh, the visual effects are absolutely gorgeous, and people are really excited to see the next Avatar movies because they're going to utilize the exact same technology. And Alita Battle Angel looks photoreal, which is really cool. Um, and the direction is just solid, straight solid. So a lot of people just don't like the script. They don't really like that it's kind of pandering to setting up sequels, which I can see that, and I understand why people don't necessarily like it. I just don't think it deserves the five rating that critics are ripping it into. Um, I think... From what I what I saw of it and what I enjoyed about it and what I know about it, it definitely feels like a solid like seven or seven point five. Great. Yeah, right again. It's it's not like it's not up there with Robert Rodriguez's best movies, but it's a really fun project and if you go into it knowing that it has its issues and it, it, it might not be the most straightforward story. And there's a lot of like the, the script isn't the strongest necessarily. And it's very convoluted. Then you just enjoy a lot of, for what it is. You know what I mean? Great. And, yeah. And, and if you watch any of James Cameron's written work, a lot of his projects are very convoluted. Um, Terminator is a little convoluted. I, Aliens is a little convoluted. Aliens is just an action movie. No, I, sure. I get it. Uh, it's it's one at a time. I I don't think he makes necessarily. I don't think he makes overly complicated scripts, but especially of his own original work. But this isn't his original work. Yeah. This is a make that was shown to him, and he sat on it for. Years he had six hundred pages of notes on this film, so I, I think the, the other thing to consider is that the other writer in this wrote Altered Carbon, which is not a very straightforward thing. And I have you seen Altered Carbon, Alex? I I, I have yes, I'm a big yeah. film noir fan, so I was digging that show. Yeah, so Altered Carbon isn't exactly the most straightforward thing. Terminator Genesis obviously was a mess. Uh, Shutter Island is a, a literal uh, Chris I'm sorry we, we're already giving this explanation. it's a mind fuck of a movie um say any convoluted uh, aspect that con- people can hear probably from the, is probably from that guy yeah well it's from this woman but yes I'm gonna say guy still sure you do what you gotta do man um but yeah it sounds like it sounds like the, if that's her previous work then it makes sense that she would offer that element to the script as well. Yes. I will say, though, that people are definitely saying that this is the best anim- uh, manga adaptation ever done in America, which is cool because it looks beautiful. It's a gorgeous-looking movie. Absolutely a gorgeous-looking movie. Yeah, I, I don't know much of what's out there manga-wise. Uh, I guess Scott Pogram vs. The World is technically a Canadian production as much as it is anything else yeah well so the the manga adaptations that are out in like that came out to theaters there are two out right now there's this and then there's ghost in the shell a couple years ago um yeah i don't think i ever really sat down and watched ghost in the shell my dad really liked it but i never Um, so ghost in the shell with scarlett johansson had 
a lot of the a lot similar issues to this movie in that it it had a very convoluted plot, uh, but the visuals were gorgeous and the movie looked beautiful. Um, but I think a lot of people just didn't like where it was going, and I think the director behind it didn't exactly understand everything that was going on. Robert Rodriguez has a better understanding of action films, I think, and that helps a lot with creating a project like this that's very action-driven. Yeah, um, I, I mean, the guy who made, um... Ghost of the Shell made Snow White and the Huntsman. Yeah, so he's made other, he's made other action movies before. Um, I, I get, but I'm not, and I'm not surprised by the convoluted nature because that's just how manga and uh, anime kind of works. They they fill their plots to the brim, which is something I expect. But um, I'm not. I, I'm happy. I'm happy. I wouldn't even say I'm not surprised or any of that stuff. Like I, I know Robert Rodriguez is capable of good stuff. It's just I don't know what has led him down the path of. Uh, the last few years, but he seems to have taken his time with this. It's not necessarily his baby. It's something that he probably took as a hire, a yeah. job for hire, but he is um, elevating uh, himself to a challenge, and I, I appreciate that. So I, I'm i excited. I, I, I was never down on the movie. I really... Yeah. I don't think James Cameron is bad. I just think he is... Um, He's too focused on Avatar. <laughs> he really is. I wish he would do other. I wish he had other ideas that he wanted to follow through. But at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be good or bad. Yet I don't know. No one knows really. But uh, I, and I love Robert Rodriguez. I love his mariachis. I love some of his Spy Kids. I love Sin City, the first one. Uh, I think when he collaborates with people or when he's got it all on his shoulders, he can still produce something that's memorable and fun. So I'm happy. And as for the lead actress, yeah, I, I remember watching a movie that she was in with Adam Pally called Night Owls, and I just thought, wow, she's a star. She she can do it. She was putting her body through a lot of uh, physical humor, and I thought, wow, she could do action movies. She could do a lot she of things. She also recently did Bird Box, which I think is really interesting. I've yet to see Bird Box, but I did see her in Chips, and I felt bad that that happened. Yeah. Um... The other thing is that she's been in, you know, the Maze Runner movies the last couple of years and all that. So she hasn't really had a lot of time to really, to really, like, break out, I would say. Um, but she, I... She's been slowly, slowly out lately, which instead of, like, one... Honestly, as much as I think this movie is, like, getting panned by critics, and it is, it really is, um... All the user reviews that I've ever read. I'm sorry to interrupt. I wouldn't say pan, though. The first couple places I go to that I just plain trust for a film review, both of them were very high on it. Really? Like, what place did you go to read on it? I'm actually curious. The two biggest places that I go to first, just because of their well-rounded view of uh, critics, how many critics they have, and their tastes, uh, AV Club, had a. it's right in their um, headline. They say it's that it's one of Robert Rodriguez's best films in years. And then um, Birth Movies Death is always pretty lenient on films like this. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, obviously, you know, I go to Metacritic and I just read, you know, the general reviews. But the nice thing about Metacritic, like, I, I'm sure you know, is that they, they take everyone into account, what everyone's saying. 
Well, it's just a place where they gather a bunch together, sure, yeah. But for me, I, I'm the opposite of Metacritic. I, I'm the kind of person that says go out there and find... Uh, for me, critics are are people that no, they're knowledgeable about the subject while at the same time still talking about subjective discussion. So if the places that I go to, I may not always agree with the critics there, but A, I love their writing. Like, they're good writers. They're entertaining writers that always keep me interested no matter what the subject is. Their prose are what grab me, as well as their opinions and their tastes. That That's usually, if I gear towards the taste of somebody who's also pretty knowledgeable about the subject, then they're going to produce ideas and things to me that I haven't seen before. If I'm reading someone who's contrarian, who I don't agree with a lot, and I think they're a writer that's boring or not very good or they don't capture me, then I'm not going to read them. So I, I'm a big proponent of, yes, Metacritic, all that stuff is great, but every time I use Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes, it's because I want to get an idea of where where other writers are or what other sites yeah. I haven't seen yet. So it's usually a way for me to like find good writers. But outside of that, I think a critic, I, I think the best use of a critic is when you hunt out and search that person for their taste, for their writing ability, and then you will constantly be challenged every time you read their review. It's not just, what should I see this or should I not? It's, yeah. what did you get out of this movie? What could I possibly get out of this movie? What have I not seen before? What about the artists did I not know? Yeah. Stuff like and, that. And, and uh, I, I, I don't always agree. Go ahead. I was going to say, again, everything I've ever read about this, and this includes the bad reviews, have always praised um, Salzala over and over and over and over again saying, she she's nailed this performance. Well, yeah, I, I'm excited. The, the, I'm glad people are like I'm glad people are liking it, but also it didn't it never looked stupid to me. It was just can Robert Rodriguez produce something good, even when it's a director for hire job. Yep, and it looks like he can produce something reasonable at at worst. No, it seems like he. It seems like people like it. Okay. Yeah. I again, I'm I'm waiting to see what like non-critics are saying about this movie. I really want to see what, what the users are saying about this movie. That's usually where I get a lot of my my mentality about the movie is from user reviews. Because those are people who are going to go see it and they're going to tell you whether they hate it or don't hate it straight up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and so far, the only user review that I saw on Metacritic adores this movie. They think... Um, even if you knew nothing about it, it's really cool. It's very interesting. Uh, there's a lot of great things going on. And yes, it has issues, but it's still a very fun movie. And it, it's going to do really well with, with like the teen audience. So is there any other uh, news that you want hold to talk on, about? Hold I, on. I, I, hold I, on. Hold on. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. About Rosa Salazar. Everybody, when the first trailer was announced, okay, bashed it pretty much, essentially, because she had big eyes. Big it's an anime thing. eyes. I know it's an anime thing, but she was the only one with big eyes, okay? So everybody's like, yeah. oh, the big eyes. I don't know if I'm going to go with them because, because of the, uh, the, it's the anime thing or she could. Hold on. Let me back up when I say this. Say something you suck! So, 
turns out that she's the best thing about the movie. Despite yeah. her very large eyes. Yeah. So. So, the lesson here is, everybody, go with it. Just go with it. It's sci-fi. Just go with it. For God's sake, X-Wings... X-Wings cannot fly in atmosphere. Scientifically, they can't. Alright. Time fighters have a more... And, and everybody's like, oh, how do they fly? Nobody, nobody's asking how, how those ships fly in space. Nobody's asking. Nobody. Well, I don't, so go with I, it. I don't think it's... Chris, I don't think people's problems necessarily is the logic of what they're... What those eyes are about, it's not like they're going around like, how could a person's eyes be that big in this world of robots and fighting and stuff? I think the problem is aesthetic. There are people who just don't want to look at that, or they can't get past the visual of it, so therefore they can't continue to the reality of the film. It's a visual thing. It's an aesthetic thing. It's it's you walking past a house with a weird color paint and you just react to it. That's just that's just the way it is. These people are, are reacting to something aesthetically and therefore cannot get to the next logical step of why it may be. Well, whereas some of us, it, it's not a problem. We, we're either so used to that kind of look on characters within this sort of storytelling, we get the intention of the artist uh, or whatever it is. It, for us, it doesn't matter. For us, it's not about logic. It's a, it's something we are naturally aesthetically comfortable with. Okay. These people, I think, are not. Okay. They find cool. it silly looking. This person's different. They, they just are different. They're not used to it, so therefore they immediately reject it. Re reject it on an aesthetic, natural level. They don't have time to think about it logically. They're too busy going, "Is I can't get past those eyes." Yeah. Cool. Like Great. Still right about the movie. I was still right. I was right about Bumblebee. I was right about Alita. It didn't suck. I was right again. I'm on a roll. Chris. Shut up. I'm on a roll. I I get that. The, the other thing you got to consider, the fact is that, and this is going to become more and more and more and more common every single year, is that, especially in the last two years, is this is the second movie coming to America based on a manga slash anime. This is going to become a common place and a common practice. We're going to start to see more of this. Eventually, okay. one of these days, one of Fine. these days, we're going to get a Hollywood adaptation of, you know, Naruto or One Piece or, you know, or Boku no Hero. People are talking about that, that in this superhero craze, they're going to do My Hero Academia. It's a big project that is the entire inspiration behind it is Marvel and DC and all that. And it, People are expecting it to do very well here if it does because America is in a huge superhero craze. They freaking love superheroes. They don't. People don't understand why, but they do. And we're honestly, this aesthetic of people complaining about the eyes is like gonna change so fast. Like you, you won't even still. believe it, man. Still right. I was still right. But I, yeah, but but like. It, I get what you're saying. I do. I do. I do. I do. I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's a giant mentality change it's, that's going to be taking the U.S. by storm. <laughs> I and get it. I get it. Really, we're seeing the very beginnings of it. I mean, like, like, Chris. Okay, can, I, before I we get political, can we move on, please? I get no, what I'm you're saying, please. Dude, I'm not even talking political. I'm talking pure, like, filmic. Like, yeah, Chris, I know. When, 
I've heard. Do you remember what the mentality was when Marvel was just getting started on their big stuff? Like Iron Man had just come out, and they've been working on Incredible Hulk, and we knew Captain America and Thor. No, Zach, I was too young. And Avengers was a pipe dream. (laughs) I was too young. I was in high school when that happened, and I can tell you what the mentality was for that. The mentality for that was is a lot of us assumed that it was going to be a one-off thing. Is that none of these movies weren't connected. They had no association with each other. And that Marvel is just making Marvel movies because that's what people have always done. Um, is that they've always made movies based on popular things. Spider-Man had done its thing. X-Men was still running around in its in its peak with, uh, with uh, Brian Singer doing great work. Um, and I, this little movie called Iron Man came out and people ate that crap up. I mean, seriously. And the next, in two, a year and a half after that, Incredible Hulk came out and people were like, okay. And then suddenly at the very end of that movie, uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. showed up and be like, oh my God, what's going on? And then, uh, and then immediately after that, we got Thor, which is again, another movie with another character from that Iron Man movie is showing up. And that's, I would say right around the time when Disney bought Marvel, which was right before Captain America, the first Avenger, that people started to realize that this is a big deal and this is this is going to change everything. And immediately after Thor, they announced, hey, we're doing Avengers and it's going to use all these characters. And people lost their freaking minds. I mean, seriously. So... The, the the thing that I'm saying is that this beginning of this anime craze that we're, we're jumping into, which we are, with Alita Battle Angel and Ghost in the Shell, this is just the beginning, dude. Like, give it, like, two or three more releases, and you're gonna start, and then it's gonna blow up. Like, people are gonna, they're gonna make good, and they're gonna make bad ones, but it's gonna blow the freaking up. Okay. Zach. Okay. 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 So yes, Chris, you're right, but it's the beginning of it's the beginnings of things. I know. <laughs> Fuck, I know. I'm just saying. I, I let me earn I, this. Why are you so mad? I'm not mad. I'm passionate. Fair enough. I was right again. I don't really like the part of this movie is like also like two and a half hours. I'm not complaining about a it's culture like a half hour long. I am basking. And the fact that, once again, I was right about a movie! That before it even came out! I'd like to point out this movie. Everybody was gonna doubt! Everybody! Chris? Yeah! Just move on to the next story! Go! He's excited. (laughs) Sweating over here. Go! Move on! These are big. Look how excited he is. Don't forget me. Don't forget your juice box. Oh, he's so excited. <laughs> ah! uh, uh, Chris, I do, um, I, I think it would, I, I, I think people being on the fence for this just based off of any of its looks or its trailers is fair. Um, Especially after something like Valyrian, which is just as beautiful, just as technically 
uh, uh, amazing, but at the same time, not a good movie. And people kind of responded to it that way. Um, so I, I'm not, I don't blame people for being hesitant, but it is always better to sell a movie when the movie is good, especially if you're not a marketing team or you're not the studio, you're just a fan of the movie. So it, this doesn't look like a Watchmen situation to me, and it really never did. I remember looking at the Watchmen and being like, this looks great, but I don't trust Zack Snyder necessarily. And then the movie happened, and I was like, oh, oh, no. This is why I don't trust Zack Snyder. <laughs> uh, I mean, he is... I got my own feelings about him. We'll get, we'll get to that when we get to the DCU, but at the end of the day, it's just like... Just because something looks great doesn't mean it, it moves or feels or is a good experience watching it. And I'm at least happy that that's the case here. And I'm certainly... I don't know what happened with uh, um, Scarlett Johansson's movie, but... Um, I do think I, I don't think you're wrong for assuming that a lot of people are skeptical about this and I like the fact that you also were able to kind of look at the movie and be like I don't think I think this is going to be good but Zach I think I think this is them like dipping their toe in the water I think it's going to be like another five I, I think it's going to be pretty close yeah but I think in another five years we're going to start seeing not necessarily the newest craze be uh, anime or manga stories, but I do think those are going to have a way for sure. Will they be as big? I don't know, but their audiences are starting to bleed into us. So, Well, yeah, and that's, uh, that's exactly what I was saying. Is It might not necessarily... It, think we're going to start seeing more of it. it, it it's not necessarily this, this idea that we're... Uh, it's not necessarily this idea that that, you know, it's going to be the next, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe. But we're starting to see that early that early popularity that we saw in 2008 again. That, that's what I, I guess I should be saying, is that we're starting to see, we're, we're starting to see that, that early popularity craze that we saw with Iron Man and with Thor and with the, uh, with the Incredible Super, Yeah, the, the genre of, like, comic book superhero storytelling. Like, I think that anime and mega are going to have a live-action, like, or whatever, just I think that genre of storytelling is going to hit the hit the U.S. big one day, and yep. it'll have that kind of craze. I think. I mean, superhero stories can't last at the top forever. They never do. Westerns didn't. Uh, personal like filmmaking uh, achievements of the '70s; those don't happen anymore. Like everything yep. has its day, and I and I assume that will happen soon. Yes, but I think. I think we're at the point where people are like dipping their toe in the water. The people with the money can't. Like James Cameron has the money to do whatever he wants if he really supports and pushes a project, and he did. He stood behind it and he made sure it got done. Yep. So I, I, he's he's got the money to do that and take that loss if he wants to, and still achieve four other Avatar sequels at the same time. Like he has the money to do that. Not everybody does. Or the will at the same time. So yeah, and and it's why I am like sure that we're gonna see some. The next major thing I think, if we see something popular out of this, is it's gonna be something with a with a any within a genre or within a storytelling that the American audience is gonna understand. Which is why I use the term My Hero Academia. This is a series that is all about superheroes, and all every one of the characters is based on a major 
superhero from American comics. You know, the main character is based on Superman. He is a young Superman who's learning to come into his own. And understand that he's practically a god in this world because he has so much power. Okay. I already just like it. So. Sorry, not sorry. So, we just went a half an hour on um, the next anime craze. Um, so, Alita Battle Angel was, I guess, alright to most people. And anime movies are coming. White America, get ready. White America! Anime movies coming! White America! <laughs> next topic, please. Um, well, James Gunn is directing Suicide Squad 2. Yeah, and it's called... The Suicide Squad, I believe, is what they're calling it, right? I have no idea. That'll be a that'll be a very interesting movie. I Honestly. think they'll have fun for sure. It's he, it's yeah. I think it's not just a the WB offering less restrictions to allow him to make his own vision because that's totally what they do over there. But I also think that uh, it's it's it fits James Gunn's sort of attitude. If you've seen some of his other earlier movies, it's yeah. a place for him to. It's a, it's a place in a world where he can let loose a little bit more, which is needed because I think he can balance the tone of messed up stuff with a general audience uh, ex, uh, what they're willing to accept. And I think that's exactly what this series needs because Suicide Squad is very tame. I feel. Yep. You can't do I worse than the last guy. The, the other thing is that there's at least two other major projects in development right now that um that they're still confirmed right now, which is Birds of Prey, which just got its first trailer. Um which just got its first trailer this past week, right. which looks awesome. Um, and then uh, they just confirmed uh, what Guillermo del Toro's next movie is, which is Justice League Dark. Justice League Dark. Wait, wait, del Toro confirmed that he's going to make it or that he's going to produce it? Wait. Uh, he's working on it. That's what he has said. I am fact-checking that. Um, Script was confirmed in in November. News. Uh, uh, yeah, if he's going to produce it, that makes sense. He's been working on it for some time. If he wants to absolutely go ahead and direct it, I'm for that because he's also wanted to do that as well. And it seems like they... It seems like they can do whatever they want in the EU right now. I think they're they're dealing with moldable clay. There's, I feel bad for Zack Snyder because he obviously had a vision. It just wasn't a good one, which is the worst because he's he's uh, yeah. Oh, and then uh, the Batman in twenty twenty one is going forward without Ben Affleck. I forgot to mention that. Great. He finally decided whether he was going to do it or not, and he decided no. I I think he'll pop up every now and then, just for money. But at the same time, I think he feels bad about how all of that went down. Yes. Uh, well, it's also like what's going on with Henry Cavill too. Is he just didn't like where that was going in the end, and that's unfortunate, and that's part of life, and that's part of growth. Um, the other thing is, I've, I the fact that that James Wan's Aquaman is doing 
so good internationally. Did you read? Oh. That movie is like killing it internationally. I did not. Oh yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's made uh, over a billion dollars. Money. It's so good. It's done so well internationally. Um. Yeah, it's it's making money. It's making a lot of money, Alex. Yeah, it got its sequel. Let's just say that it it earned its sequel money wise. Um. Well, that's good. I like the idea of them getting good actors and good directors to continue to make DC films. Yeah. I mean, whether they're connected to a universe or not, whether they want to, like... I think they're going to rebuild the universe and just sort of do it their own way, um, but slowly, which I think everyone would appreciate, um, which is cool. And and, and honestly, I I genuinely feel like the center points of this new... I'm going to I'm going to call the term new DCEU and I'm talking directors wise is probably going to be Patty Jenkins, James Wan and James Gunn. They're going to be kind of the center point of this new new thing. Matt Reeves will probably also play a large role in this, but I can't imagine much more. I I, I really think James Gunn's going to kind of oversee a lot of this. That's kind of sounding like where it's heading is that he kind of traded his job for, you know, doing the cosmic stuff of Marvel to doing DC, just straight up doing all the, the greatness and uh, doing everything crazy with DC. What do you think about the woman who's doing uh, Birds of Prey or, or Gotham City Sirens? Because she's got to, like, define the city now. She's the one who's, it's in her hands to sort of broaden the city now. Kathy Ann? Um... Before Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves is going back in time. She's talking about the way Gotham is now, and we haven't really had that yet she gets to lay the groundwork of what gotham is like yeah i think that's gonna be really fun i really do um the director uh the director i haven't seen any of her movies so it's hard for me to to determine what's gonna go on with that and um i can't say that well the cool thing is the person who wrote who wrote it is the person who wrote bumblebee so chris will like that I honestly just think that she, if you're going to talk about the other people like starting out and making what this new DCU is, it sounds like she's going to have a good chunk of territory to define. And well, I, I can see her absolutely well, in that full time. One at a time. Patty Jenkins and, uh, and uh, James, uh, Jim, uh, uh, James Wan got a big chunk of this. And uh, like I said, Kathy Yannon, James Gunn, and Matt Reeves are going to have big roles to play in this too. They're going to do a lot more of the modern storytelling uh, in like a lot more city and a lot more Batman stuff. Um, and then with the Flash, we're getting John Francis Daly doing that, who did Freaks and Geeks, one of my favorite shows ever. And he also did Horrible Bosses, which is cool. And he helped write Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, he's been building and building more as a screenwriter uh, now that Bones is done, and he's doing pretty good. Yeah, so, you know, I have a lot of high hopes for Flashpoint, which is what the Flash movie is going to be, and they've kind of said that Flashpoint's kind of going to be their their, their, their big red button if they have to do it. Their national emergency, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um... They can't do worse than uh, what's come before, so. Um, I don't know if I'd agree with that, but. No, no, they, they they can't. They can't sink any lower, all right? They just can't. Physically impossible. 
Batman vs. Superman and Justice League are two extremely interesting productions that produced extremely interesting failures. Um, yes. So they they will go down in history just for being as unlucky as it was um, poorly executed of a vision of a bad vision. All I know is I'm so excited to see David Sandberg's Shazam. It's gonna it's gonna have its Shazam. two weeks in the sun and it's gonna be a fun two weeks. Shazam. It looks fun. It looks really good. I am excited. I've been waiting for Zachary Levi to do something outside of Chuck, and it seems like he's perfect for this. Shazam. Yeah, I agree. Well, didn't um he was entangled though, wasn't he? Yes, he did. Ta- he did do. Uh, he was Flynn and uh. Tangled. He was Flynn Ryder. And then no, was- yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, as of, like, I remember Tangled. I remember him being really good as a voiceover, but like. I'm watching Chuck week after week and being like, this guy has the capability to be something better than this. Sort of like yeah. watching Chris Pratt in Parks and Rec, and everyone knew like this guy is gonna be a star. Like if he like once he's cleaned himself up and stuff, he's gonna be a star. Everyone knew it because he had done more serious roles before that where he could fluctuate his weight and do all that too. But like everyone knew it when they saw it, and I remember watching. Chuck and being like Zachary Levi, he it's not necessarily not necessarily that he was going places, but that he was better than this, and he could do better than this. And like in a few years, seeing him in something cinematic or being in like comedies, I would have I I waited, and uh, I'm really happy. I just showed the trailer to my dad, and he really loved it. He was in Thor Ragnarok, I guess. He was in Thor. Yeah, in the Dark World. He doesn't really. Snap. No. Yes, in Dark World. Yeah, he's in Dark World. He's also in uh, Ragnarok, but yes. Yeah, well, he died in Ragnarok. Spoiler! For some Sorry. people who may be listening to this. Did um, he replace Josh Dallas? He replaced yeah. somebody from the first movie, yeah. Yeah, he did. He Josh replaced... Uh, who quit to do Once Upon a Time. He replaced the guy who looked like he came out of The Princess Bride, yes. Um, so, uh... Okay. Um. Any any other anything news? else that we may have missed? Because I'm about ready to talk about this movie. Some uh some guys are playing in a game tomorrow. I think right. Super Bowl. Yes, of course. Speculate. <laughs> My God, we're not talking football here. We're talking commercials. Are we going to see yeah, another Tide ad? Will Netflix yeah. release another movie? Um. Will there be Star Wars? Will there be Avengers? Probably not. Um, probably Avengers, yeah, probably Avengers. not Star Wars. I can see um, I like an Avengers and a Captain Marvel tomorrow. We're um, not seeing stuff from Star Wars. I have to wait till freaking April, and that sucks. That um, sucks, man. I think that um, I almost went to that too. Hear me out, but I think from what I heard, rumors wise, in the pipeline, uh, we're gonna get a Godzilla King of the Monsters trailer tomorrow. As if there haven't been like three of those in the last three months. There's been two of them, thank you very much, but that's fine. Close enough. I'm, I'm, I'm with Zach on that. I'm actually pretty excited for this movie. I um, am too, I'm just saying. Uh, I think there's only been two trailers. I wouldn't be surprised if we got a new one, sure. Um, uh, that we, I, I'm expecting Avengers for sure, at yeah, the very least. I, I was going to say, they don't, like, as much as Alex thinks that they should be marketing Captain Marvel a lot harder first, and they should, um, 
the fan base couldn't care less about Captain Marvel. They they want fucking they they want Avengers. <laughs> that and sucks. I, here's the thing: she's gonna be in the Avengers. They just don't know that yet until they see Captain Marvel. So that's the thing: people are gonna watch. Maybe maybe Disney and Marvel walking around being like, yeah, they don't care now, but they will. So yes, um, to think that we would get one of each makes a little bit of sense. Yes. But um, I think we're at least going to get more um, of like Avengers. Probably not a lot more. Probably maybe because remember we're not going to get we're not going to get anything more than the first twenty minutes in marketing. They've they've said that. Yep. They've made that abundantly clear. So my from my understanding, we're just probably going to get maybe two or three more scenes that we that pair very well with the three other ones that we've already gotten from the last trailer. And that's fine. I have no problem with that. Um, but I would actually kind of like to see a little bit more Captain Marvel. Maybe not necessarily another trailer, but maybe like a whole scene would be pretty cool. But um, I, I, I do think they should promote Captain Marvel as well as Avengers, but I see them specifically releasing a trailer for Avengers. I and Chris, I, I know you, we probably won't see anything till April, but as nutty as it is, and hear me out here, I think we might get like a small like thirty second tease of Star Wars. I don't think we're gonna get any imagery or anything, but I think we're gonna get like the official name. I think they're gonna drop the name at the Super Bowl. I, I really do. Um, and I think we'll get like the we're gonna get like a starry background, and they're gonna just show off the name, and they're gonna give us a and they're gonna give us the release date, and that's it. I well, we already know the release dates, December twentieth. Chris, can I, Chris, can I ask you something? What? Yes. When does the um, the Mangalorians? When does that come out? Oh, that comes out this summer, doesn't it? No, it's fall. actually a fall. Yeah. It might, seems to be they would probably promote something there you like go. that. There you go. Yeah. More than they would uh, the movie, because if that comes out before the movie, then they have time to hype the service in general and get like, again, I think they're, they want after Endgame for people to talk about that stuff and everything. But that's also, I'm assuming the time where they're going to be like, Oh man, that Marvel stuff is great. Just like that star Wars stuff. Huh? Who said that <laughs> star Wars? Well, let's watch star Wars. Like, I think that's kind of how yeah. that's going to work. I, I also genuinely think that, um, like I said, I think what we might get and, We'll, we'll get we'll get an image. It'll it'll say December twentieth, twenty nineteen, and maybe we'll get an image of of Billy uh, a slight tease of Billy D. Williams. I think that's like the most we'll ever get though. We'll, Are you? We'll see like Billy D. Williams. We will probably see the the name of the tr- of the movie, and we will see the the date. That's all we're gonna see. Though. Are you insinuating that we're gonna I, get thirty I, seconds of a black screen, and then the release date and the title? Is that what your is that what your summation is? No, I'm saying we'll get it as a black screen, the title, the release date, and at the very very end of it, we'll get like Billy D. Williams doing like an iconic line of something. Thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Maybe they might do forty or a minute. Disney could pay for that kind of stuff. And just nothing. Yeah, I, dude. People will. People are not going to watch a black screen for thirty freaking seconds. Well, they won't be 30 seconds, but, like, maybe 5 seconds, and then they slowly reveal the title. Like, there you go. That. I'm going to say no. I don't think we're going to get any Star Wars stuff. Exactly. Maybe. If they if, do it if, at 
Oh, they're not going to show it. If Star Wars stuff, it's going to be super minimal, minimalist, though. It's not going to be... Ah. No, I, I agree that they couldn't They couldn't do too much. I think it, anything that is... Like, I, I don't think we would see anyone in costume. Like, I don't think we would see Lando. I don't think we would see any of that. Um, maybe we would get a title, sure, but it would probably be for some kind of, like, the theme park ride or something like come come see Galaxy more Star Wars stuff uh. at Universal get rid of the streaming service something like that but at the end of the day no I don't think we're gonna it's a year away I think they want to build that up a little bit better and to literally do it at the year mark I don't know I think they're gonna wait until people are really well, well, Alex it's it's ten months it'll be ten months but yes um, it's a year what's the difference it's pretty I'm much a year thank you but um, here's the thing, though. We knew Last Jedi's name for what nine months before it came out. It was right around this time, yeah, that we fi- that, we, that yeah. they released. The, we'll uh, get title. a name. I think we'll get a. I'll get. I think we'll get a movie name, and that'll probably be it. We'll get a movie name. People will get hype, and they're. Gonna I think. Say- I think that's a fair possibility. Sure. I think. Yeah, I think that's at most what we would get. If it was nine months last year for Last Jedi, and it was around this time it came out then that's precedent, so maybe it's true, uh, but I would be uh, hard-pressed to believe so. I think they want to get some of this, mar- I think they want to ride the Marvel gravy train a little bit longer, be- and then save their ammo for when they attack fall and winter with Star Wars, so I don't know. That that would just be my angle. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the only angle there is, so we'll, we'll find out tomorrow, for sure. The only I- one I knew for sure that we would get anything about, that I'm pretty confident about, is Avengers. Godzilla, Godzilla, Godzilla. I mean, I, I want Godzilla, sure, but the only one I'm I, that I would bet money on if I wanted to would be Avengers. That's everything else. I'm more like, I don't know. I really don't know. It'd be like, I'm kind of. Well, open. Like, here's the thing. Godzilla releases in May, so like they're kicking off their marketing campaign like now, like they have to. I'd assume we'd probably also get some Shazam as well. Yeah, Shazam. Yep. Um, I was going to say... Wonder Woman 1984. No, that got pushed back to 2020. Never mind. Scratch yeah. that. Scratch that. Scratch yeah. that. Scratch we, that. Uh, um, so here's here's the details with like Godzilla. Is t- We got our first major image of Ghidorah uh, like three days ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, so Michael Dodry is setting up for something. And I'm guessing we're going to get a, a new trailer... For the Super Bowl, that's why, because he's he's posting about something big and he's been tweeting imagery and all that stuff, and that's usually a good indicator that they're they're doing stuff. They're okay. they're, they're planning something big. Hold on. Uh, um, so, this is how they're gonna do the Star Wars ad. I figured it out. Yeah. They're gonna do it. Here's how they're gonna do it. Black okay. screen. Fifteen seconds. Black screen, and then the title, Star Wars. Just a tight ad. There you go. There you go. Yeah. That's how they're gonna do it. You joke, but one day that's where we're going. Yeah, Star Wars. It's a tie ad. Yeah. <laughs> I will die laughing if they actually do that. I will be done. I will have seen everything. I will have seen yeah. everything. I would leave at that point. I'm, I'm done. So, yeah. I don't need to see so, uh, Super Bowl's coming. We got some. It's Christmas. Star Wars! The tie ad. So, so we, got, uh, we got some trailers coming tomorrow. Uh,. So that should be pretty exciting. I want them to surprise me. So, yeah, they haven't—they haven't surprised me the last two years. I want to be surprised. Oh, Chris, Alex. Oh boy, what? 
Didn't we get a John Wick trailer the other day? Oh, John Wick. Yes, I'm so ready. I am so ready for this movie. We did get a trailer. I'm so ready. I I thought about this, and I, I knew I was forgetting something that I want to talk to you about. And then I, I remembered that we got a John Wick trailer. <laughs> John Wick, yes. Um, but I don't think that was what I wanted to talk about. I just hype don't. is real. Hype is real. I'm ready. Let's do it. There was something I, I saw the other day that I knew that like Chris would like freak out about, and I want to tell you about it. And it came out on Friday, actually. If it's a Star Wars Episode Nine spoiler, then I'm not having it. No, it was about a movie. Star Wars Episode Nine would be a movie. No. Was Are you debating if whether it's a movie or not? If it's a comic book, I'm gonna kill you. I no, I don't remember, dude. I I gotta I gotta look up my news because uh, there's there's some movie news that came out on Friday that I I can't remember what it was, but I knew Chris was gonna like flip out because it was like really cool. It was like right up Chris's alley. I my my alley's rather wet right now. All the snow melted. Um. So, uh, I don't see anything uh, out there. Oh, Guys, wait. Alex, what are you doing uh, in my Alex? What are you doing in my alley? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. Do not look at the man scrambling frantically for his electronic <laughs> equipment that he's been using to spy uh, on you. Oh, that's it. Hobbs and Shop got it. Ah, Hobbs and Shop. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, Hold I on. Stand by. I'm gonna. That, um, that's what I wanted. I've okay. I've I'm seen the trailer. I just have not had audio on it. Stand by. It looks fun. So Zach, you you don't know who these characters are, correct? No, I know who they. I, I saw. I've seen. Uh, I've seen uh, one of the, uh, the the Dwayne the Rock Johnson Fast and Furious movies. And then I know, like, what the deal is with Shaw, like, because I, I saw Tokyo Drift, so I know, was his brother the one who killed, uh, killed, uh, um, the guy in Tokyo Drift? Or is that Shaw himself? Shaw did it. So... Okay. So, yes, I know, I know what's going on a little bit. So, I just uh, started... Hold on. <laughs> I just started playing the trailer on my speakers, and I forgot that you can't hear it. But the audience can't. Because I'm excited to see it because the dead air that you were leaving while you were playing a muting. I, uh. Hey, Chris, just mute yourself. I did, I did. I muted myself on the call, but not on the recorder. Alright, well, you haven't muted yourself on the call, so I think it's the other way around. <laughs> no, I did mute myself. I was playing it. Anyways, uh, the guy who directed it directed Atomic Blonde and Deadpool 2, so there's not much for, for me to hate here. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm pretty excited to see what's going on with that. David Lynch is sweet. Um, I'm probably going to go see it, and I'll probably have to... Uh, Rewatch Fast and Furious. I have um, Fate of the Furious on my iTunes, so I have no reason to not see it now. To not watch okay. like the next five movies. You need to watch the series, but you need to watch the series in chronological order. Well, I've seen one, two, and three, and four. I, yes, but you need to watch the whole like you need to like you're watching a series. 
points like like we do on the wheel like you need to but i my my twist is that you got to do it chron- like chronologically style because i think that's hilarious but also like you're still you're missing the great arc of the series the justin lynn arc right or no the james the justin lynn james wan arc right I think James Wan just did one movie, but it's mostly yeah, just, especially now that Justin Lin is coming back. But at the end of the day, it's like, yes, he is—he single-handedly sort of took this franchise to a whole nother level. But also, it's just the entertainment value. It's yep. like, you like I'm just saying, it's a great art. But also, doing it to go to to technically go like one. Two, and then you can watch this movie called Better Luck Tomorrow because it's technically in the same universe because that's where Han comes comes from. Then you could watch four, five, six, seven, whatever, and then go back and watch three, and then watch. Oh God, like it's ridiculous. So, so wait, wait, wait. So, so the actual order that it goes in is one, two, four, five, six, uh, seven, three, eight. Is that it, or is it? Uh, one, two, three. four, five, six, three, seven, eight. Three, seven, eight. Three, seven, eight. Okay, that's what I thought. Three, seven, eight. Hobbs. So, sure. so, so, so it goes. Uh, so it goes. Rob Cohen, John Singleton, Justin Lin, Justin Lin, Justin Lin, Justin Lin, James Wan, F. Gary Gray. <laughs> and then back to Justin Lin. And then back to Justin <laughs> for two more movies. And also, like again, five is the best. Five is the best of the series that's, so far. That's what I. That's what I've heard. Um, I that that is actually what I've heard. Uh, I heard. Well, I heard eight was pretty good too, though. No, eight is very good. Like they're all really good. Like six, seven, and eight are all really good on their own. But there's just something magical about five. It's like an oceans. It's like an oceans movie. Is five the one where they jump out of the plane? I'm sorry. Is five the one where they like drive out of the plane? Uh, no, that's seven. No, yeah, that's seven. Seven has the best set piece of the series, but the best overall experience, like enjoyment of watching this series and what it's like, how both stupid and entertaining it is at the same time, and how like excellent it is. Five. Okay, because I've seen seven then because that's the because I I've seen I watched that at Willow like when it was on TV, just oh yeah, dude. dude. There's so. nothing nothing wrong with seven. They drive a car through three skyscrapers. It's amazing. Well, I gotta watch. I just need to rewatch the whole franchise, but that that's beside the point. <laughs> so I I. Yes, I like the trailer for Hobbs and Shaw. I think Idris Elba looks really interesting. I also love the fact that they're like, he's basically, I'm, I'm a superhero. I'm superhuman, and it's like, what is, what is this series saying now? Like, what, what, what is this series turned into? What do they think they're capable of? And then I, for a second, I don't care because of that great elevator bit. Yeah, it lo- when I saw the trailer, it just looked. I just didn't know what genre I was watching for a second, and then I just see like. Dwayne Johnson, Jason Statham, like, sitting and arguing. I'm just like, what am I watching and why do I need this in my life? It's, uh, it, the fact, that's the thing. They've built to this level. They've made this possible. It's ridiculous. It's great. 
That's why I love it. Oh my I, god, this I movie's just, gonna like, take the I, world by I storm. All I know is that, like, I saw it, and I'm like, I don't know why I need this, but I need this. This movie's gonna be great. <laughs> I don't know how good it's gonna be, but I, I know I need it in my life for whatever reason. No, it's gonna be great. <laughs> I think it's gonna be great. I haven't been yeah. wrong on two movies that everybody thinks is gonna be ridiculous. Uh-huh, yeah. Story-wise, story it doesn't make any sense at all. No! That they're working together. No. But, they, but I'm so excited that they're working together. Yes. I, I don't know what's going on, but this looks hilarious, and I just, I don't know how to feel about this, but it looks wonderful in all the wrong reasons. Hobbs and Shaw, everybody. Um, Hobbs and Shaw. So, yeah, there, there, there you go. Um, anything else? We've gone an hour and we haven't talked about the movie yet. Well, it's been a busy week, man. Yeah, it's been a pretty busy week. It's my fault we're late, but guys, it's been a busy week. It's been a very busy week. Um, But uh, I'm willing to move on to the movie if you guys are. I'm more than ready to move on to to the movie. I'm an open book. Read me. Chris, I'm guessing you loved that movie. I liked it. You should. Okay, so yes, so I'm going to start off with so Chris, this is your first time watching Pulp Fiction, correct? Correct. How many times did you watch it? Once. I think that was a mistake, but that's okay. Uh, um, <laughs> so I want to I want to just break this down. I'm not going to like try to feed you down any sort of opinion or idea just yet. I want to figure out what your experience was first. But, um, so... Hold on, on, Alex, before you you, you go too deep into this. Chris, I want to confirm this. Okay? Okay. You've only seen Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction now, right? Right. Okay. No, you said you've seen Kill Bill as well, correct? That was a very long time ago, but yes. Okay, so a rewatch of Kill Bill is needed. Probably. Okay. I remember the part so where see... the lady's eyeballs get well, eyeball gets ripped out, and uh, sure. not much after that. Okay. Well, that's it's, a... it's a four-hour movie, so yeah, I think you've forgotten a lot. Yeah. Um. So so, for all intents and purposes, you haven't seen much of Tarantino's no. work, right? I have okay. not. Okay, I wanted. I just wanted to confirm that before we went further. So, so you you've seen the best he's done. Has absolute, in my opinion, you know, me and Alex's opinion probably you, second to none work. Would you agree with me on that one, Alex? Pulp Fiction is like Pulp Fiction and well, Reservoir Dogs are like second to none. Well, before I watched this, before I watched this movie um, the other night. I would say that most people would agree that Pulp Fiction is his masterpiece. Best movie so far. He hasn't topped it. And he's only made about eight, nine movies. Uh, I can't remember for sure. But uh, I, I, after watching it last nine night, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's his, I think it's his best movie, bar none. Yep. But, but it's not just him that makes it great. There, there are a lot of other voices in the background that have been sort of swamped through him over history. But like, I, it's really an achievement of filmmaking in general of what it is, his vision. That's what makes it 
his masterpiece, but at the same time, it's also because he was also discovering people that he would trust forever, like really helping him find his voice. The the editor, Sally Menken, this is just, this movie's an amazing piece of editing. The music choices, um, the, the cinematography, a lot of people came together. Roger Avery, the guy who co-wrote the script and has had since had a, a massive falling out with Tarantino, his career has suffered because of it to a certain extent. Uh, there's a lot of voices that came together to make this movie, but they were all in an effort to help both of them tell their story through through Quinn's voice. Like this was truly going to expand what he could do in a warehouse with Res- with Reservoir Dogs and say, "I love watching movies. I'm going to give you a movie that reminds you of the movies that I love, but told through my voice, and I'm going to do it my way." And he was sort of like pull out a lot of staples that would stick with his career forever. And I would probably say his next best movie is Inglorious Bastards. And we'll get to that probably. But for for a second for a second movie directed by someone, it is it it defined a generation of filmmakers, of copycats of people that would find their own voices through being copycats with him, like Joe Carnahan. This movie like shook the world, and a lot of people have come to sort of see it in different angles. That like fan theories, the fact that it lost Best Picture to Forrest Gump, that that sort of stuff has really kind of aged with it, and an interest, and as well as an interesting production to make this sort of a a touchstone in cinema. But also just watching it on its own is a whole nother experience. So I want to focus on that with you. Um, so you first time watching it earlier today, you said you liked it. What, what were your expectations going in and what did you feel about those expectations after you were done? I was expecting, I don't know what I was expect. Okay. So after seeing Reservoir Dogs, I was just like, Okay, this is kind of like the groundwork of Tarantino that I'm entering into here. So, like, I actually didn't come in to, um, I didn't come in to Pulp Fiction with a lot of, with pretty much any expectations. I was just like, okay, you know what? They want me to see it. Take me. I'm right here, movie. Take me away. Um... So, after coming out of it, it was, after, like, the first five minutes when it's setting up its, when it's, set, when it's setting itself up, I'm just like, this is nothing that I was li- being led to believe, and yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of, en- I'm starting to enjoy this. It was, um, I honestly didn't expect it to shake out the way that it did. I didn't expect it to be as non-linear as it was, even though I'm pretty sure one of you warned me it was non-linear to an extent. Uh, there is actually an order you can watch the movie's specific um, uh, narrative sequences that gives you a linear linear uh, angle to see it. Okay. I did not see well, that. I, I want to get into like some of the most popular cinematic style choices and techniques that are in the movie that have since influenced a lot of people since then 
and I want to like highlight why they still work in this movie even today and why other people just sort of take them as style choices and don't really know how to utilize them properly. Yeah. And that's one of them. The non the non-linear thing has since become a thing that has happened a lot in indie action films and, and especially ones in the early like I would say late nineties that were absolutely one hundred and ten percent inspired by this. A big one smoking aces. People talk about how like smoking aces works and how there's so many people in it and how it's so crazy, but like a lot of that is inspired by the things that came out of this movie. And yep. it's I, I I I think um yeah that and uh, his dialogue specifically are two things that people have taken and not really utilize them as best as he does. And you'll be able to see through his other movies too that there's a reason why people appreciate it with him rather than seeing it all the time too. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think is like, not to, to deviate too much, is... Uh, the motifs and the uh, and the MacGuffin, the big. There's one big MacGuffin in this movie that I think is super fun and interesting, and people still still debate to this day what the MacGuffin is all about, which is the six 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 briefcase. Yeah, it's a fun little it's a fun little fan theory. I, it's it's one of those things that makes me go. If I didn't know the theory, would I still see it in the movie? If I did still see it in the movie, knowing the intentions of the artist, would I care? And yeah. since I know the intention of the artist, what is what's my experience when I watch the movie? And and still, I it's all of them now. I can't watch the movie and not think about all of them. But I think at the end of the day, that's kind of what his point was. It's whatever you want it to be. And he's not really hiding it. He just was saying, here's a trope. And he, he's, he said he took it visually from another movie, but at the same time, the idea specifically was just... Kiss Me Deadly, right? That's that's what it came from, right? Yeah, it's a really good film noir from the 50s. Um, well, I'm still an open book. You keep reading me and see what I thought. I really cannot, like... You're going to you're gonna have to help me out here. There's a lot of there's a okay, lot to this well, movie. No worries. Um, so, uh... What, let, just let's go through the first, um, I guess, big scene, and that's the the restaurant scene. How how did that sort of like? How did you respond to that first? Wait, you mean the opening? Even the opening restaurant scene or the ending restaurant scene? Yeah, when, when, the couple, when the when the couple are just talking and talking about their plan, and then it ends with her screaming and him screaming at the restaurant. I was like, guns out and. For a movie about, like, I knew, I think I knew right away they weren't coming back. They were going to play that big of a factor until some point when I first saw it because it's Tim Roth in a movie that I knew was predominantly Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson. I knew, like, because I hadn't really heard that. Tim Roth played a huge part in it. I didn't even know Bruce Willis was in the movie, period. That was something that actually took me by surprise. Um, no, I'm sidetracking, but... Um, no, I, fair enough. It really just felt, like, really out of place until the end. I'm like, 
that's wh- that's where this that's where that comes from, and that's how that shakes out. Um, and that's kind of um, that kind. And then it actually I got I was tr- I was looking I was looking for what the movie was like going at while this whole movie was shaking out, and at the end I didn't get it until the end. I, f- I figured it out at the end. Um, at the end scene, and where where they come back to the restaurant, when the movie comes back oh, to the God. restaurant. But um, the opening scene, I at first when I first saw it, I'm like, why are we here? Is this gonna come back? Is this gonna come back on me? Like it has to. That's just that's just how the rules work, and it did. And uh, it came back in a big way that I really liked. Um, but yeah, that's that's that that was the uh, that's what I thought of that of that scene. So let, let me ask you something a little bit more easy. Okay. So if I break it down to four, this movie, it, it's four. It's basically four stories kind of woven into each other. Yeah. I'll say the Honey Bunny couple at the restaurant and their story. There's um, Samuel Jackson's story with the magic bullets and Marvin getting shot in the face. Then there's the date that they go and do the twist contest. And then she, she overdoses. And then there's Butch's story with the watch and um, the unfortunate uh, ending to the to their fight, and where things roll from there. Okay. Um, Which one is your favorite story? You're putting me on the spot. Um, the Butch. Just go, just go gut. I'm gonna have to go with the um, the Jules story. Um. Person, like personally, that I, I, I just I like that I like that story. The, the Butch one took me like, like the other stories took me by like by like surprise. I'm just like, I didn't know that was going there. <laughs> I thought, wait, why is Daredevil's origin story? Does he have a? Does Bruce Willis have a blind kid in this movie? Um, that was that. I thought that was like that was very weird. Um, like it's in the Marvel universe. It's confirmed. Um, so. And then the whole, tr- that was, that whole, that whole, um, the whole Vincent and, uh, Mia, um, the uh, story was just that, that one just like, that is not, ex- that is not where I thought that was going. I'm like, as soon as she OD'd, I'm just like, oh, I never knew, like, okay, then you have to fix her being OD and then have to shoot adrenaline straight into her heart. But, um, per- I guess... Personally, for obvious reasons, I gotta go with um, um, Jules' story. Like the way that Marvin accidentally got shot in the face. I'm just like, first it was like I was like, like he. It's very, it's really clever how they did it. So Travolta turns around in the car. That gun is pointed at Marvin. He's like, "Come on, Marvin, you gotta have an opinion on this." Yeah. Like your eyes are on the gun. The gun, your eyes are on the gun. It's like, you're pointing the gun at him. Like, you dummy. And then it goes off. Like, whoa! And then you're just surprised, like, that it went off. And the way they reacted to it was priceless, too. Um, But, uh, yeah, poor Marvin. Um, So, uh, that actually took me... So that took me by surprise. The whole fact that they they literally hosed them down. Um... Yeah, the and then the whole scene at the restaurant I thought was really, really, really riveting and very intense. Um, I do like the like 
moments like that. Normally, moments like that would have a score to it, like a like a kind of like a very subtle, intense little rift going, and there was none. And I I actually like, I actually like moments like that, and that whole scene with the restaurant where he's just like, okay, you know, just that whole scene actually kind of gripped me, and I was really into that. Um, that it just it just got me in a way that the others didn't, and yeah. So, I think I like the Joel story better. Um, so, this is sort of the same question, but sort of not. You mentioned a lot of like stories going in directions you didn't know that they were going to go. What's your what like from your gut? Would you say is the most surprising moment for the movie? What was the one turn that happened where you were like, "What just happened right now? I'm still going to go with this." What's your biggest surprise? Oh, there's oh. first one that comes to mind is Mia overdosing. Um, That's... I guess that was the first one to happen. Like there, then then there was Travolta getting lit up with an Uzi, which kind of brings it kind of brings that full circle at, at the end of the movie. Um, so and um, the whole. The whole basement scene with the guy in the thrift store. Oh my god, that I didn't. That was the. That was very. That was that wasn't much very. That wasn't much surprising as it was bizarre. Um. Yes. It was. It was very bizarre. Um. And like, I'll never get that image out of my head. Of Bing Rames bent over and oh god. Explicit, explicit. That Luther from Mission Impossible movies. Luther from Mission Impossible bending over for a cop. Oh my god. Um, yeah, all this. It was, it it was. Uh, that's something I'll uh, probably never. Ha- I'll probably lose sleep over that. Um, How did you like that scene where he decided to go from a hammer to bat to chainsaw to samurai sword? That was. <laughs> That was so like. <laughs> here's a guy a boxing a boxing champion who just murdered a guy in the ring, and he's like, he's just trying to get the heck out of there. So then he's about to leave, and he decides, you know what? I'm gonna go help. I'm gonna go help this guy who's trying to kill me. Maybe he'll get off. Maybe he'll get off my back. Is probably what he's thinking. Um, so he goes for a hammer. He's like, I thought he was honestly gonna go for the hammer because I've pl- I've played uh, Hitman. And I, uh, I know the effectiveness of a hammer. And then he goes for the baseball bat. And he goes for the chainsaw. And then he looks up and there's a samurai sword. Like, you look up and you're trying to wonder, wait. Because, like, there's a lot of guns in the movie. So you're thinking, oh, it's a gun. And then you look up, it's a samurai sword. It's a samurai sword. It's a katana. And he goes in there. Darn near cuts the guy open. And then does the no-look stab from the back. But his wise, his face hurt the whole thing. It was just, it was just so funny. When, back when Bruce Willis really cared, uh, <laughs> and that was um, that was that was uh, that was some funny stuff. I'm just, uh, um, but yeah, the first one that comes to mind in terms of surprising moments was um, Mia overdosing. I'm just like, no, that was like, that would, with the amount of like, okay. I've seen a lot of explicit movies, okay? I know, like, um, I've seen, like, I've seen a few, um, where people would do drugs, never once, 
never once did I see somebody OD in a movie. Like, I've never, like, usually that just turns out that that person died and it's usually off screen. I'm just like, oh, they actually OD. That's something that would happen if you consume that amount of drugs and alcohol at the same time. That makes sense. That actually makes sense, but it still shocked me because that's not usually, that's not common. Usually they just do it and then they just move on with their lives, but then she almost died right in front of me on my television screen. And that just, it just, it, it really did take me by surprise. I guess because of the fact that it's Uma Thurman, I didn't expect her to like, I wasn't expecting her to have, for her to have a turn like that. Like I thought like literally she was going to get killed off. And that's why, like, that was just, that, I guess that, I guess, yeah, Mia overdosing is the, I guess my most, most surprising, uh, candidate there. It sounds like it prepared you for the rest of what would happen. It did. It really did. And then them trying to figure out a freaking kneel. I was like, (laughs) wow. Um, So, yeah. So, I'm not going to ask you who your favorite character is, but I will ask you, what did you like about some of your favorite characters? Did the dialogue have anything to do with it? Was it something that you were interested in? Did it take away from the film? What did you like about these characters? Um, well, first off, the dialogue, I could... Their delivery, like, they were speaking so fast, I had to turn on subtitles, actually. I don't know if it was the TV wasn't high enough. Like, I turned my TV up, and I still couldn't... They were speaking so fast. Um, kind of like I am right now. Um, favorite thing about... The, I guess, just... Okay, I think I know what you're trying to say here. Okay. You, you were right, Alex. I did have a level of empathy or sympathy for these guys. Um, their philosophies and how they look at the world and all that. I did kind of understand that. And I knew I, I made it on record that I was afraid of that. That I wasn't going to see that. I was just going to hate this movie. Um... Because of the way it brings everything. I gotta say, my, I'm not. That wasn't my main point to talk about that at all. It was more sort of like highlight something else technical about the film that I thought was interesting. But yeah, I mean, I do. I I guess I deserve that. <laughs> um, I guess they're. I guess like just by like how realistically they're framed too, like Mia overdosing. Um. John Travolta actually taking a crap. That act, that 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 image will never leave my head either. That's something you can't unsee. Um, I don't know. Like, I just like love that. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I personally, I mean, I know you you don't really want to talk about favorite characters, but I just want to talk about how much I just love Samuel Jackson's character in this movie. Just everything about his character just makes me happy. From all the quotable stuff to his obsession with hamburgers <laughs> um, like each of them were given a set of motivations you know kind of I, like with Butch he's just like I guess he's trying to just live I guess and he's under this guy he's under Ving Range's thumb uh <laughs> That moment where he... <laughs> that... The moment where he, um... 
is driving away from shooting um, Vincent, and he stops, and there's <laughs> there's a there's a Wallace walking across the street, and he's like, "Mother!" And he runs him up. I laughed so hard after that. I was just like, I, I was I actually laughed really hard at that. Like that whole that you're like what like. Like I said, this movie actually grabbed me. I'm, I'm, it had me in the moment. I'm not gonna lie. Like that really, that really got me. I just want to point out one of my favorite quotes of this movie is when they're talking about uh, how the French call what the French call a double uh, a quarter pounder with cheese, and Jules just can't seem to figure it out. But at the end of the day, they're talking about the Whopper. He's like, oh, no, I'll go into a Burger King. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was pretty good. Um, it's just it, these little moments that I always enjoyed about this movie is just like these little moments with Vince and Jules just sitting and talking about shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I... Uh, go ahead, Alex. I gotta, I know, I gotta agree with Zach. Like this, the, every time I hear that, and, I've, and it's been copied a lot of times by other people. But like every time I hear that, when I watch this movie, it still makes me laugh because it's the curtness of John Travolta when he says, "I don't know, I didn't go to Burger King," and then you find out later, like these guys kill people for a living. It's that, it's that attitude that they have, as well as like the attitude that they have, sort of like now created because of their violence it's weird it, it i just love it because every little thing is applied to both the world they're in and the people they are so yeah. like the fact that these two guys are walking over to do a job and and kill these like guys that are supposed to carry the briefcase they're having this conversation about foot massages and the conversation heads into an argument so much so that they have to, once they get to the job, walk to the side and finish the conversation and come like to some sort of agreement and understanding so that they can get into the mindset to do their jobs together like coworkers would or best friends would, to a certain extent, partners. And then they open the door and you find out that they're the two scary hitmen in movies that are there to murder people. And like, and next time you watch an 80s movie, or an action movie where the two, where the henchman like comes in and starts killing people for the boss. That's who these guys are supposed to be. They're just on the side of the door before they walk in, talking about their day to day lives, and it just it works on both ends. It's not anything like massive or deep. It's just fun, and it really sort of like puts you on edge because you you start to like them, and once you start to like them, and then like they get into a situation where they have to deal with an ODing girl, then it's a whole nother ball game. Oh my god. I just remember that quote. Oh god. Um But um like I guess I can start talking about the technical aspects. Like it mo- like I guess the movie like moved in a very weird like kind of like slow way. That I that I kind of appreciated. It wasn't trying to, and when until it got really chaotic, like the movie doesn't. I appreciate that the movie during the intense moments doesn't really like move really. It just lets the content of it really carry it. Yeah. Um. But like, 
It doesn't like it doesn't like rely on like fast paced like cutting or transitioning or very yeah. fast or very like frenetic um, movements. It just lets its content and the fact that that's that actually show. I think that shows confidence in your in your script where you can where you know you've got people hooked and you're just not like you're not going like you're not doing like extra to make it like um to make it more energetic to catch people's attention because they're already caught because of what's happening in front of them is so freaking interesting that it literally speaks for itself um especially when they're in the basement <laughs> and the guy <laughs> that whole scene man that whole scene i'll never forget so, that i think what's so fun about uh, Tarantino's movies, especially some of these, these uh, some of his more earlier movies, is that these are very. I would almost say a lot of these movies are actiony, but the 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 cool thing about all of it still is is, is that they're not they're not edited in an almost actiony way with all the quick cuts and the and the cutting all that. They're very slow, very almost dialogue like cuts. Yeah, and that really makes the movie feel unique and very interesting because I, I really do feel like it's so interesting where, you know, they uh, they they just, it, it's so much fun. I think there's so much fun with this movie. I think, you know, the dialogue is top-notch and I think, you know, like Alex said, a lot of the, the fun of this movie is that you can write for these guys, these two hitmen, who, you know, in any other movie, they wouldn't be joking about hamburgers and television and France and whatever. And they they would, you know, they would probably sit silently until they go in, go do their hit, and then leave silently again. Because that's how you portray two hitmen in modern film. But instead, in Pulp Fiction, they're, they're very, very, very opinionated. And there is almost like, like he said, it's just like two friends who are at work bullshitting around at work. Like, so Chris, uh, right after we see that conversation about the foot massage, we cut into the hitman scene. Okay. You get to see Samuel Jackson do his thing. So this is like this is like a big thing. This broke him out on the scene, and in fact, at this exact same year, he would be in Die Hard Three with Bruce Willis. It's the most they're like on screen together in a lot of their movies. It's it's a really fun movie and they are really great together. But like this is when he like broke out. Uh what did you think when you saw him do the whole like murder three guys in the house and then the miracle bullets happened? Um I thought Samuel L. Jackson at that moment was killing it. Um like he was just like so he was like really into it, and he, in the moment, he was pretty darn intimidating. The Miracle Bullets, I laughed so hard. Um, like I didn't know it was gonna happen because the movie was moving non-linearly. Because so when they came back to that, I'm like, wait, what's happened? What? How? How? How did that scene end? Because we never saw how that whole thing ended. I'm like, like, and then he he fired the darn thing, and he's. And then they're both standing there, and they're like, what? <laughs> He's just standing like, what? And they gun him down. 
thought that was so, I was like, so funny. And then he's just like, this was a freaking miracle. And then John was like, it's not that big of a deal. And then that sets all that in motion. Um, so yeah, I thought that, that whole scene on just like, um, Samuel Jackson killed it. He was very, very like intimidating. I'm just like, I don't want to be in that room right now. Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Cause I thought it was just going to be like, I hate this guy. He's such a heel. Um, but like I walked away, I, I walked away from that scene. Okay. So I'm still a rational thinking human being. Everybody, you don't have to worry about my past anxious self. Um, well, let me ask you something, um, without like, I don't want you to think that I'm like trying to bring up like any sort of negative ideas or, or like, to get you to admit anything or get you defensive, but what were your like? What were your honest to God like expectations when you sat down and watched it today? Like, just like the before you turned it on, you're like, "This is what I think this movie is." Prove me wrong. Um, I was it was kind of like that, but it was I was more like, "Okay, movie, hit me," like, like I'm looking at a like a freight train standing in a railroad track and waiting for this giant freight train to hit me as hard as it can and kill me. Um, Would you, would you say you told the movie to hit you with your best shot? Hit me with your best shot. Um, yes. I guess, I guess my question was like, because I have expected like some expectations about movies that I haven't seen sometimes. And then I walk in and I'm like, Oh, well that wasn't, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I just, it takes me a while to get to what I think it is on my own terms. But like, there have been times, the first time I ever watched like The Godfather, I was like, I don't, I don't get what's so great about this, but I'm probably going to watch that movie again. And then the more I watched it, the more I sort of like started to understand what I loved about it. And then I was like, I don't get why people think the second one is better. I mean, I get why it's better, but like, I don't get why everyone thinks it's better, like feels that it's better. And then I was listening to something recently and someone said like, the Godfather is the rewatchable one, but the second one is the better movie. And I was like, Oh, maybe that's my problem. And I never thought about it that way. And it's just like, it just takes time. So I, I guess my, I guess my point is like, do you do you understand how like this was such a big deal in terms of just like reaching people on a primal level? I mean, sure, there's like there's all the years that have happened. There's like Tarantino has a big name. Like I don't want to sit here and just like pander to him the whole time. I want to talk about some of the other people who made the movie, but this this changed things for better and for worse. But it doesn't ever stop being entertaining. And for the first time having ever seen it, do you get why a lot of people say this is also just one of the most entertaining movies ever made? Yeah, I get that. I get. I I can. To- I can totally get why people say that. Like it's, it's 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 really fun. I, it it's. I thought it was. A, I thought it was fun. Like the content of it was just like mind blowing. Like its context was just whole. It was just like. Um, very, like, crazy, like, from one, like, from one scene to the next, it was just, like, just this one joyride of stuff, and the way it's executed, too, it, it would, it would, I think it would, I honestly would say that it would deserve its, um, 
You said it lost to Forrest. You said it lost to Forrest Gump. I'd say it's. I'd say. I'd say. I'd say belong. It, it would belong in, in that. Um, it would belong in that category. Because um, I've seen Forrest Gump like twice, and I do remember it pretty well. Um, I guess, Yeah, I guess I do understand why people why it, why it's so influential. I don't see its influence in movies just yet because I just saw the movie for the first time. But I'm guessing by the by if, when the more movies I see now, the more movies I probably rewatch, I'm probably gonna see that influence more. So, yeah. but yeah, I do get why. Um, I do get why it's why it's very influential. Um. So. You, you said you wanted to talk about some of the technical things. I did. Um, I, I, I covered it. I covered it. Well, I, I think the probably the two, the two things that people talk about the most are like the non-linear aspect and the dialogue. And I think I, I, I can't really necessarily wrap my head around why him and the editor and Roger Avery, the co-writer, all decided which stories go where go like where and what would be the best way to do it but like there seems to be an overarching theme of like if you look at it like from its chrono like beginning to end Jules and Vincent run into this miracle bullet thing then they go they both go down different paths and Jules leaves Vincent doesn't Vincent has opportunities but still he finds himself in the same situation and dies and that's like the the way you can like reverberate and then think about like the couple and then also think about Bruce Willis on their own side. But at the end of the day, the dialogue builds the characters and the characters build the world just so he can tell four separate stories. So really when people talk about like how the structure works, it's nothing new. It's just four stories and perfect world building. And that's because he likes to, Tarantino likes to make novels on screen. Like, he likes to tell movies like they're novels. And then his partner, Roger Avery, hasn't made a lot of films, but he does like to mess around with non-linear structure and his most popular movie, Rules of Attraction. You can see a lot of the influence of what would be Pulp Fiction and what would be Rules of Attraction, because they were both written around the same time, just they came out years apart. And it's kind of sad what happened to Roger Avery. He hasn't made a lot, but he had an impact on why the structure of this is as natural as it is, even though it's as confusing as it is. Um, and then it, people always try to stylize their dialogue like Tarantino's, but what they don't really get is that it's more about character than it is about how they say it. He figures out a way for them to say it once he figured out, figures out who the character is. And then he chisels every single line so that it fits within the story. And then he sits on that script until he can get it out because he's seen so many movies. He knows people watch movies forever and ever. Their favorite movies over and over and over again. And so that's why this is one of those movies where we're like, Chris, you should probably watch it more than once. If, do you think if you watched this in the middle of the week that you'd have come back tonight and watched it before we talked about it? Sorry, could you repeat that? That was very, like... Very, um, could you repeat that question? I'm sorry. I was, I was, I was listening. Does that, that question kind of like was weird? I'm sorry. Yeah. Do you think that if you'd have watched Pulp Fiction in the middle of this week and then again before tonight, 
that you would have been just as excited to watch it a second time. Mm, probably. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I mean... Well, yeah, this is just like one of the... It's a really good rewatchable movie. The more you... The more watches, the more rewarding it is. The more things you start to notice, like... What, what's a popular one? Um, when Vincent goes to buy his drugs from the red-headed dude... Right. He... Uh, time he says that his car was keyed and that scene happens after he is meeting Marcellus Wallace at the bar with their dorky clothes so that means that after he got his like staring contest on with Butch Butch walked out into the parking lot and keyed Vincent's car oh uh... <laughs> Well, no, like, that's the thing you don't notice until the more and more you watch it. And then, like, people ask him, they're like, who keyed his car? And he's like, "Uh, it was Butch. The last place he was at, the last person he gave a dirty look to, like, Butch keyed his car. Yeah, okay. Now, that, oh, man. Wow. Okay. It's those little things that you got to get on the rewatches. Okay. That, wow, okay. Um, huh. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you think you're just do you think you're going to watch this movie again? Um, in the near future, no. I would uh probably uh probably just going to got to yeah, I got to I got to get school done. <laughs> Not in the near future, but um, probably when I if I have some free time, probably. Um, I mean, there is a lot coming out just in February. Oh yeah, the next two like the next like February is gonna suck for me because like I got Alita Battle Angel, so I'll totally see that, and then How to Train Your Dragon three. Me and my mom are gonna see that. We're both excited for that. Pro- so yeah, like not in the near future. Because of everything that's going on, but like, I would, but I would be, send, the fact that I'd be willing, the fact that I'd be willing to schedule? see it again, I would be willing to see it again. If like, if I had that's the opportunity. Not, yeah, I, I, just, I just mean it generically. I didn't mean like, I want your schedule for the next month of film watching. <laughs> Sorry. I, 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 also, I also want essays. I'm going to be grading you. <laughs> On your ability to rhyme. It all better rhyme. Hey, at my school, there is an intro to cinema class that I, that is that I that I might have to take as an elective. So I might I might take it. I might have to do that. Take it. So take it. There's no reason you shouldn't. So, yeah. I agree. Unless this teacher is a complete like elitist. It's just like, oh, new movie. New movies suck. Chris, you go to a community college, so you're not going to find, like, elitist film professors there. The technical college. Get it right. Sure. All, all, all I'm saying, Chris, is that, like, it, it's an education. Like, even if even if he is snooty, even if he is pretentious, even if he gets into your face and makes you feel like a jerk sometimes, it is 
something that A goes on your resume and B you you will without a doubt learn something through him and like C you may meet somebody you may meet somebody who loves film the same way that you do you may meet somebody that you could work with again someday like network you never know man you may work with somebody and the next thing you know you are talking with them on the same level that you're talking with us hmm. yeah so uh yeah i would be willing to see it again this is uh this is uh this is this is one that i'd be willing to see again as i want that schedule though give me give me that film schedule <laughs> what I want your schedule for the next month of films. You better write essays. I mean it, man. And my teacher's getting mad. <laughs> Do my homework. It took me so long to figure out you were kidding. <laughs> You're laughing now, Chris. You're laughing now, Chris. But when I get an F, when I get an F, ooh, man, ooh, straight to the moon. Alex, get out of my driveway. I can't, man. I'm stuck. You gotta <laughs> help me out. The, I don't know the why lots I were my... plowed this morning. You have no excuse. Well, I have a wagon back here, and it kind of broke off my bike, and my and I lost my baseball card set spin when I. <laughs> anyway, is there I anything? The is there anything? Okay, um, okay so... um, I'm gonna. Okay, but, but... I think so. So let me let's Go keep going real quick. Um, okay. Now that we've watched two of his movies, which, okay, so which one sounds the most interesting to you next? Um, something called Jackie Brown. It's really small. It's really simple. It's about a woman who has to go through a heist. It's really just laid back and slow, but it's dialogue heavy. Um, there is Kill Bill. We can go back to that again. Or um, Inglorious Bastards, which is set in Germany, World War II, and there's Django Unchained, which is Jamie Foxx, becomes a bounty hunter uh, after being a slave, and then there's Hateful Eight, uh, which is a bunch of people stuck in a cabin during a snowstorm, and then they things get heated, and uh, guns start coming out. Um, after seeing this movie, my interest kind of spiked for Inglorious Bastards. So, I'm feeling that one next. Is pro that one's probably the next Django one Django Unchained. Django Unchained's a lot weirder. My dad more. actually seen Django Unchained. I think he I think he liked it. Uh I would say that the next one would probably yeah, probably be Inglorious Bastards because I think here's the thing. Inglorious Bastards is a little bit more nihilistic. It really digs into the war aspect of war, not necessarily in the way that you think, but it's a little—it's a little more serious than Django. Django's more of an adventure. Django's got a hero's journey to it, so I think it's a better palate cleanser after um, the kind of bittersweet taste of *Inglorious Bastards*. I love *Inglorious Bastards*. I think it's his second best movie. The script is amazing, Chris. It. There are moments in this movie that suck you in, and it's just amazing. Uh, you get, you, you get like the the entrance of Christoph Waltz. It, it's just a great script, more than anything. But yeah, on its own, it's I would great. agree. I I love, um, absolutely love 
piss off Waltz, who has a, you know, a 30-minute opening scene, which is, you know, a, a whole, a whole interesting piece in general, and I think it's very fun. I actually like New Warriors Bastards a lot. I, I own it. I own it and Jay Garnett. Another funny, so, another funny part of Pulp Fiction, however unintended, was Christopher Walken trying to be a, um, a Marine, and I was just like, he's not getting this. <laughs> I can't, I can't look past this Christopher Walken playing a Marine. Like, I was like, oh my god, he's like, I was, I'm sorry, I was chuck, I was snickering the whole time because he was totally like the stereotypical Christopher Walken because it was Christopher Walken. <laughs> Oh yeah, please for walking. I, I didn't do that. I'm so sorry. Um. So uh, yeah, also, that's greatest Vietnam movies of all time. All right. But yeah, I think um, I think it's ultimately up to you, Chris. Sorry, uh, I think it's ultimately up to you what you want to watch next from him. But I personally like Django Unchained a lot. But I can see why Alex loves Inglorious Bastards. I I loved Inglorious Bastards script. I'm always on the fence about which one I think is better. I'm always on the fence because I feel like Django is such a crowd pleaser, and it, it has its flaws. But you don't care because it's such a great experience. It's such a great ride. But then when I think of Inglorious Bastards... I also want to point out that I think it's a shame that Leo never won Best Actor for Django Unchained. I think... Uh, I can't remember the year. I think it was it was one of those years that he was always going to lose to somebody else. Oh, right. Because I'm the other was so good. But, also, uh, I think Samuel Jackson's role in it is like hilarious, as always. I I think Django Unchained is a lot of fun, but there's something about Inglorious Bastards that's just I think it's the elevation of Pulp Fiction in terms of script, but not necessarily in terms of how it's executed visually. Yeah. But it also is it it's the high point of when he was trying to say something about um what he was showing on screen and with his characters while also telling a very Tarantino-esque story, especially by the end. I think it, I think the next evolution of that is Hateful Eight, because Hateful Eight is a very simple like structure of a mystery, but also he really is genuinely kind of saying something about the subject that his characters are involved in, like on a philosophical level. So, And then, he, and then obviously we're going to get a whole other thing from him this year too with um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, no, I'm trying not to keep too close of an eye on that because there's some things I want to be surprised by. But at the same time, I also just have no idea when that comes out. Um, I actually haven't read anything other than the setting and what it's like, like the setting. That's all I've read about it. There's a lot of casting choices and headlines that come through a lot of the sites I look at. And uh, yeah. I'm trying to keep my eye away from it when I see it. But at the same time, yeah, I'm one of the people who always gets my interest spiked when I see his name, even though more and more information is coming out where he's maybe not necessarily yeah. the nicest guy, yeah. but a professional. But at the same time, I, I, can't, I, I can't ignore the fact that he's a good storyteller just yet. Like, he hasn't Mel Gibson me yet. Yeah, he, um, it's coming out in July, so there's that. Coming out end of July. So Leo that's... was snubbed that year. For Jingo and Chain, it was 2012. 
Furiously type on my keyboard here. Oh, that's 2016. Sorry. Oh, angry. 2012 Academy Awards. There we go. Uh, 84th Academy Awards. Let me look here. I'm very curious. Um, let's lower that back down. Um, okay. Best actor or best supporting actor? I don't know. Uh, it's whatever one Leo was nominated for. We know Walt's one. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It'd be 20, it'd be, it would have been 2013, sorry. It would have been the 2013 one. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll Just get you that way. type some more. There we go. 85th Academy Awards. There we go. All right. There it is. Okay, we're good. Um, so, Best Actor or uh, Best Supporting Actor? Um, I, I, whichever one Leo's nominated for, dude. He's not nominated for either. Well, then that's a shame. He should have been. Well, there you go. I guess he wasn't nominated. So for best actor, I'll go, let's let's hypothetical. He's going best actor. He was going up against Bradley Cooper, Silver Linings Playbook, um, Hugh Jackman, and Lay Miz. Wait, was he nominated? Um, what? Are you saying that he was, or this is hypothetical? Um, uh, no. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio was not nominated. That is okay, fact. Just, okay, thank you. He, if he fact. was nominated, he would be up against uh, Bradley Cooper from Silver Linings Playbook, Hugh Jackman from Les Miserables, Joaquin Phoenix for The Master, Denzel Washington in Flight, and the winner, Daniel Day-Lewis in Lincoln. Yeah, it was always going to Daniel Day-Lewis, but at the same time, that's a but tough year, man. That, though. Yeah. Well, he would have been nominated, I think, for Best Supporting Actor anyways. So he would have been against Christoph Waltz, Alan Arkin, Robert De Niro, uh, FSH, and Tommy Lee Jones. That was what it, he was always going to be up against. PSH? What? Learn to sp- PSH. Whatever. Philip Seymour Hoffman, everybody, if you don't get it. Uh, but, but at the same time, yes, I think... Um, it, it's your call. If you want to watch Tarantino have a good time and go on like a hero's journey with a lot of N-words, then Django Unchained. If you want to... I, I, I think Inglorious Bastards is like the next logical step because Pulp Fiction is a lot of fun. Inglorious Bastards is just as good in quality, but like it's dark. It's war at times, but it's also such a good... It's such a good thriller, dude. There's so many like edge-of-your-seat moments. That's the thing. Like... It, it's it's such an intense movie. It's such a good time. It, it's his, it's his sharpest script. But then um, from there on out, it's like you're getting a lot more style and a lot more like you he, you see him have a little bit more fun. But he's I don't think he's ever been more tight than Pulp Fiction and Inglorious Bastards. I'll give it some thought. How about that? Fair enough. Do we yeah. know what we're what we're doing tonight, the bad wheel? We're doing the bad wheel. By the way, A minus. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, a. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with him. I'm gonna go A, only because I've seen it more times. All right. All right, bad wheel. I'll take suggestions right, now. What's on this, this wheel of horrible awfulness? Let's oh, see yeah, what's yeah, on this thing. Have, uh, so. so Zach, you're saying you have one on standby? 
Uh, I just need a quick reminder. I'll have one for when we get to that, but I, I just need a reminder of what's on the wheel. Um, gotcha. The Last Airbender. Okay. Live action. Toys. Whatever that is. The Star Wars Holiday Special. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. This. Sorry. You have no idea what you're oh, yeah. Okay, now I remember. Now I remember. Now I remember. Okay, nice. good. Um, the Star Wars Holiday Special, please God no. Um, the, the Goodwill did not go my way. Um, the Wicker Man. Okay. <clears throat> um, Assassin's Creed. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> troll 2, to which there was no Troll 1. Um, Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. Um. that again? Is that the Michael B. Jordan one, or is that Yes, the that's older? the Michael B. Jordan one. Ugh. <laughs> Sorry. The Book of Henry. Okay. Bright. Okay. Um, Plan 9 from Outer Space. The best. Then why is it on the bad wheel? Because it's so bad it's good. <laughs> That's your problem. Um, Miami Connection. Chris, you will love that movie, I'm telling you. <laughs> Miami Connection. Um, okay. Ready to Rumble. Please, God, Ready to Rumble. Um... Howard the Duck. Yay. Catwoman. Halle Berry's Catwoman. Okay. okay. And Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, I got one. I got one. I, I got I got one that I think we might enjoy. Alright, go. <laughs> Do I just say it? Yeah, just say it. Death Note. <laughs> Was it really that bad? I'm not hearing terrible out of that. I'm that that movie is not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine would be Rollerball from 2001. Rollerball? Yeah. Alright, okay. Well, because I'm recommending it so much, Santa's Sleigh. Bill Goldberg in Santa's Sleigh. Alright, so Chris, I just want to point out, you won't watch American Horror Story, but they literally just made fun of Santa's Sleigh, like, in the last season. Still... Still. What? Doesn't make me want to see it less. No, I still want to see Santa's Slay. I just think it's hilarious that Chris suggested it like a terrible horror movie to like. It's not even a horror movie. It I wouldn't count that, that. No, no, no. That movie does not scare me. No, that's just a that's just a hack and slash movie. That's just what it is. It's not even horror. It's just a hack and slash movie. It doesn't fall in any I, genre. It's, it's, Sounds like a Rampage movie. Yes. I want to see if I can even look like that movie online. Sorry, hold on. I hope so, man. I hope so. It better be. It better be somewhere. On Vudu and iTunes. So. Yes, it's on Vudu. Yes. Yes. Ugh. This is the 2005 one, right? I think so. Yeah. Just double check with that. Does it have Bill Goldberg? WCW's Bill Goldberg. Yes. Okay, that's the one. Yes. So, um... <laughs> he met his wife. It's the most hilarious way. We're going to do the movie. first wheel to decide what we're replacing with the bad wheel. So, what are the suggestions again? We've got Santa Slay, this whole... Wait, I'm sorry, what? Santa Slay. Santa Slay. Death Note. Death Note, which I don't even remember that being that bad, but okay. 
and whatever Alex suggested, I don't remember. Alex, what did you suggest? Unmute yourself. R- rollerball. Rollerball. Roller um, what is e- what is rollerball even? I've never even heard of it. it reminds me of the um of uh no, I forgot what it reminded me of. Whatever. Um, what is what is rollerball, Alex? The 2002 movie. So rollerball is um a remake of a 1970s movie that is actually really good about a futuristic sport where people it gets to the point where people are like cheering death. But it's on skate. Whoa! Hold on, I had an so, ad, sorry. Go ahead. They remade it in 2002 with a famous director, and um, it's terrible. It's off. It's got like a 15-minute night vision action scene for no reason. It's, it's hysterically and mind-bogglingly bad. Can I actually suggest a different movie? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Doom. <laughs> Doom. I heard that one's terrible. Yeah, that's fine. I think that's a pretty good suggestion for a bad one. Doom. I actually would rather suggest Doom, because that movie is okay. way... That movie is, like, in the same vein as bad as Rollerball, but it's, like, got, like, one good scene that should have been the whole movie, and it's not even, like, the best part of the movie. It's not even, like, reasonable. And then yeah, Rollerball had, uh... doesn't have that scene. Literally, Doom had the the, like... Five minute first person shooter scene that was like the only appealing part of that movie. Santa Slay. Okay, Rollerball, Doom, and Santa Slay. Alright, here we go. You can't hear it, but I can. Alright. Here it comes. Here it comes. Uh... Okay, that was gonna be a soundbite that I'm gonna make my phone ring. That's gonna that's gonna be my ringtone. Doom. Doom is going on the list. Doom. Doom. This movie's so bad. All right, are you ready to spin this? What? Are you ready to spin this thing? Carl Urban in the Rock. <laughs> um, I like Carl Urban. Yeah. I do too, but man, is he bad in that movie? <laughs> All right, ready? I'm gonna spin it. What? I remember if he's bad. That movie is bad. It's not good. No, I agree. It's <laughs> not good. I just don't remember how. I barely. I I just gotta rewatch it. Yeah. Alright, I'm about to spin it. So here we go. Okay. Spin. I heard. I heard it. Spin. Spinning, slowing down. Dang it, we're not gonna get that one. Thank God, we're not getting that one. Uh oh. Oh no, that one's gonna be interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, the next bad movie we're going to review is Assassin's Creed. Hey! So, so I get to talk a lot about this one because this was my favorite franchise for a long time and I felt abused. But, I do want to say one thing about Assassin's Creed, though. It's, it's a bad movie. I just want to point this out. It wouldn't be on the system if it was. It's a bad movie. But as a fan... It could have been so much worse. <laughs> there's there's actually a couple really redeeming things about this movie. Like they did some really interesting stunt work with this movie. Like this um this movie actually is the is 
the 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 movie um uh this this is actually a movie where the stunt performer did like a 70 meter free fall free dive that is like the first time in cinematic history that's happened and this this stunt performer actually did some really interesting stuff with it and how they shot that scene is really cool and it, it's like the it's the big hallmark shot of the movie uh and this movie actually looks really good i just want to point that out this movie looks really really good uh it's very pretty looking but the movie's really bad <laughs> it's written horribly um i like the games um i i have not i've not seen this movie after I heard it was getting panned, I'm just like, okay, well, there goes another video game movie uh, down the drain. So, so, so I'm going to still be very blunt with you about this. This movie is bad, but as weird as it is, it's still the best rated video game movie on on the market. What, Warcraft wasn't even that good? No, this was better than Warcraft. <laughs> I didn't hear. I didn't hear people hate Warcraft. I heard people hate this movie. I think people. I think people could walk out of Warcraft and say they hated it for sure. I think uh, Warcraft is just too ambitious for its bridges. Yeah, I think Warcraft. You know, in a in a few years' time, when you know everything is there and it's a little less ambitious, I think this movie could have Warcraft could have really been something special. Also, Warcraft has really good visual effects. Anyway. No, there are things to like about Warcraft, but at the end of the day, like, there's miscasting. It's yeah. just, I, it's, yeah, it's, I, I say, like, if you want to see an interesting mistake, then watch that. It's, it's like, <laughs> it's way more well-intentioned than, say, like, Batman vs. Superman. Like, that's a terrible vision executed terribly. This is, like, a, a bad idea executed properly. Uh, it's yeah. weird. Yeah, oh, I agree. Um, An Assassin's interesting Creed, mistake. And is um, <laughs> Assassin's Creed is like a idea that should have worked that definitely didn't. So yeah, I'm it, actually not it, looking it, forward to this. Scene. It, it's actually, if you really look at the concept of what Assassin's Creed is about, there's no reason why this movie should have ever failed. Uh, the casting was there. The director has had hits and misses. The um, the editor and cinematographer are solid. Uh, the writers could have been better but i think like i i could definitely have seen something special out of them um but i don't know what went wrong with this movie i i actually don't really know because there's a lot of good with this because the Macbeth movie that uh kurtzman made before this was not the worst movie in the world um hold on so Um, so so i think there, something must have gone horribly wrong with this movie, I feel like, that we just don't know about. Because uh, this movie had the cast to back up a, a very good movie. The visuals look gorgeous, and they shot in Spain, so, you know, there's very little to go wrong. The plot line should not make sense, because, you know, the whole idea of Assassin's Creed is, like, very straightforward. And I think a lot of the issues with this movie ended up coming down to... Um, how do they deal with, so, so basically to explain this movie has two storylines going down and I think the, the biggest problem with this movie ultimately is how did they build both storylines connectively and I don't think they did that very well. I think that was the biggest weakness of this movie is that they didn't deal with 
the two storylines together very well. And ultimately, I felt like that hurt this movie more than it helped this movie. And I think ultimately this movie should have been one or the other. It should have been a modern storytelling with some interesting ideas or it should have been a, a period piece, which I actually agree it should have been just a period piece that had nothing to do with the modern story and uh, unless you like it was at the very end. Okay. So yeah. That's kind of neat. Assassin's Creed everybody. Oh my god. Um, I'm actually really excited to talk about this movie. I think there's a lot to talk about this movie even though the movie itself's not very good. So um Alex, so you I'm and me gonna, I'm afraid I'm going to be bored. That's yeah. that's my only Oh feeling. yeah. I think this movie is very I think that's the biggest problem with this movie that so, it is very this is going to turn into a Jurassic World situation where Alex, you and me are just going to let Zach do his thing, and then Zach's just going to do the um, just Zach's going to do the minutes. show while me and him, while me and you listen. <laughs> I think that's how this is going to shake down. Even though I'm going to have issues we're, with this movie, we're going to go down to Zach Town. We're going to go down to Zach Town. I think okay, this is what it's sounding like. World, you gave me my thirty minutes of time, and I I utilized that well. You guys give me my 30 minutes of time every time I open my mouth, so I appreciate that. <laughs> Knock that Alex back down a peg! Yeah. Put him in his place. Sure. Anyway. Assassin's Creed! Michael Fassbender had to promote it. It was so bad. Um... He paid for it out of pocket, too, which I think is the worst. Oh, that's the, even worse. Oh, God. Back um, the face with this. We're going to run into that a lot with um, bad movies. Self-finance. Yeah. There you go. So there you go, everybody. Pulp Fiction was solid, and now we're uh, going to the opposite side of the Hollywood <laughs> spectrum um, with uh, Assassin's Creed. So we will... We will uh, do that show, and you will enjoy it. You better enjoy it, otherwise... I I know I'll enjoy the crap out of it. I'll enjoy talking about this movie. I mean, enjoy our, us good talking about it. I mean, not the movie. You probably won't. But you know what I mean. Anyway, let's get out really of here. Um, so, see you next time, everybody. Say goodbye, guys. Bye. Later, y'all.